My Bible reading this evening is from Galatians chapter 6, beginning at verse 6 to the end, page 1172. Anyone who receives instruction in the word must share all good things with his instructor. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. The one who sows to please his sinful nature, from that nature will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. See what large letters I use as I write to you with my own hand. Those who want to make a good impression outwardly are trying to compel you to be circumcised. The only reason they do this is to avoid being persecuted for the cross of Christ. Not even those who are circumcised obey the law, yet they want you to be circumcised that they may boast about your flesh. May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. What counts is a new creation. Peace and mercy to all who follow this rule, even to the Israel of God. Finally, no one calls me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers. Amen. Um, shall we uh, pray as we come to God's word? Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, for your word that you have given us, which reveals uh, yourself to us. And thank you for sending your spirit, which gives us uh, understanding uh, of what you tell us. Help us to listen to what you say, uh, to believe it, uh, and to act on it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. What really matters? When it comes down to it, uh, what really uh, makes a difference that will last? Uh, Some would say uh, it's making it to the top, being successful, uh, or being popular, uh, being known for something. Maybe it's uh, building something uh, that will stand the test of time, uh, some kind of legacy. I don't know how you've uh, found studying uh, Galatians together uh, this last term. Uh, Maybe you've appreciated Paul's bluntness as he's addressed the issues uh, in the churches head on. Uh, Maybe you've got a a bit bogged down uh, in some of the uh, detailed arguments uh, and things that we've been looking at. But last week we we saw that uh, Paul wanted the Galatians to continue as they had started uh, by the Spirit. Uh, And we've thought lots uh, throughout the letter uh, about how they were being led astray. Uh, But here at the end, uh, the final chapters focus uh, on the right way to go forwards. Uh, And today today we're going to see two final ideas uh, that show us what really matters. Uh, Sowing to please the Spirit, uh, not flesh. Uh, And boasting in the cross, not works. So let's uh, start with uh, sowing to please the Spirit, 
uh, not flesh. Uh, Verses 6 to 10. You might remember uh, in chapter 5 that Paul used uh, the various images of a a journey to describe uh, the Christian life. Walking in step, uh, running uh, a good race. Now, however, he he changes it to to sowing. Uh, Did you see that as we read? Sometimes I think I should have paid more attention when my parents were trying to get me to uh, do some gardening, the number of times that this kind of thing comes up uh, in the Bible. Uh, But this is actually a a really easy image uh, to understand, I think. Uh, He's simply talking uh, about uh, a basic universal law of nature. A man reaps what he sows, and the one who sows to please the sinful nature, from that nature will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Plant a sunflower seed, uh, you get a sunflower Uh, Bury an acorn in some soil, you get an oak tree. It's not an instant thing, but what you put in is directly related to what you get out. If you sow some wheat, uh, you're never going to end up with carrots. That's not an accident, uh, Paul says. It's how God uh, has set up the world. Uh, And so, try as we might, however hard we fight it, uh, we cannot Uh, Go against it. At verse 7, do not be deceived. Uh, God cannot be mocked. We can't uh, turn that uh, pattern of life upside down. Paul is clear if uh, if in life your chief aim uh, is to please the flesh, uh, the sinful nature, sooner or later uh, that leads to destruction. Uh, And he told us before, uh, in chapter 5 and verse 19, uh, what pleasing the flesh looks like. The acts of the flesh are obvious, he says, sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit at the kingdom of God. See, however enjoyable uh, drinking too much might seem at the time, that isn't its final consequence. However well those who uh, seem to be, uh, his, uh, who are ambitious about above all else, uh, however well they seem to be doing, they've not yet reaped uh, their full harvest. But there's a better path Paul says, the one who sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap uh, eternal life. And again, we don't have to try and guess at what pleases the Spirit. Paul's just told us uh, in the last chapter, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, uh, and self-control. What pleases the Spirit? Well, surely Uh, It's using those fruits that he grows in us. Now, Paul knows that it won't always be easy to do that. I mean, when we we go out our way to be kind to our neighbor, uh, to befriend uh, the awkward kid in the playground, uh, and just end up getting bullied with them, or when we pour out our love on a friend who's in difficulty, uh, and they just seem to be going backwards, 
not forwards. Those are the kind of times when it's uh, hardest, isn't it? When doing good produces uh, no return, that leaves us worse off. Well, that's when uh, we need a little perspective, and that what is what gives, Paul gives us. Verse 9, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. See, the Bible gives us a much greater view than the instant returns uh, that the world is looking for. The gentleness that you show uh, to someone who's hurting, the act of self-control uh, when you're attacked, they're sowing seeds. Seeds that at will, we're promised, produce a harvest. It might be a, over a longer timeline uh, than we'd like, but it is a harvest that we can look forward to in confidence because God has promised it. And not that these uh, acts are gaining for us uh, eternal life. Uh, it, we've seen the rest of the letter, haven't we, that uh, again and again, Paul says our salvation is by faith alone. And in fact, uh, we've already started uh, this eternal life. Uh, the moment we were united with Jesus in his resurrection, uh, we started uh, that life with God uh, that will last forever. But our, our full experience of that life is still to come. It's that harvest that we move towards uh, as we sow to please the Spirit. So, doing good uh, to sow in the Spirit. Uh, Paul actually gives us uh, an example uh, of a way we can do that, uh, which I kind of skipped over. So have a look down uh, at verse 6. Anyone who receives instruction in the Word must share all good things with his instructor. A simple version of this uh, is pay your Bible teachers fairly. So Rob and Caroline, uh, they spend loads of time during the week uh, studying the Bible, uh, working hard, uh, so that they can teach us well. Uh, and they deserve to be paid uh, for that, to not have to worry too much uh, about finances uh, so they can get on uh, with the task they've been given. Uh, now we'll think uh, a bit more later in the service uh, on this subject. Um, but when I first read this verse, uh, it didn't it didn't quite fit in the, into the flow for me. Uh, some translators merge it into the previous paragraph, and it does, it does continue that theme of sharing burdens, um, and uh, it kind of is a counterpoint uh, to people stopping people going too far with uh, making others carry their own load. But I think it, it does fit uh, with what Paul goes on to say as well, it introduces this idea of, of doing good things, uh, which sandwiches uh, this sewing image. It isn't just uh, about uh, the vicar's remuneration package. It's about not treating those who teach us as, as separate somehow, uh, or those who are just, just doing a job. It's about including them as we express the fruit uh, of the Spirit that is growing in us as we share good, all good things with them. Of course, uh, this isn't restricted to church leaders. Uh, verse 10, therefore, as we have opportunity, 
Let us do good to all people, especially those who belong to the family of believers. Paul already quoted uh, that famous phrase, love your neighbor as yourself, uh, back in chapter 5. And it's that that we'll be doing uh, if we sow to please the Spirit. And being brought into the family of God, being an adopted uh, child of his, means we're going to pay special attention uh, to the rest of the family uh, as we try and do these good things. It's not not something that we do just when we uh, feel like it. Uh, It's something to be doing all the time. That phrase, uh, as we have opportunity, it's slightly tricky to get across in English. English. Uh, You could kind of say, uh, while you still have time, uh, but slightly less morbidly than that might have some associations with. Um, God God has given us uh, time. So use it to do good, Paul says. Now at this point, uh, you might be feeling a little bit overwhelmed. Uh, Do good to all people. Um, But that's not Paul's intention. If you think about it, it's an incredibly simple command. Do good. However much or little you're able to do, do good. So be patient with the the stressed colleague who snaps at you. Love and look after those who are struggling in life. Do good using the fruits of the Spirit that are growing in you. Of course, we need to remember that this is a a letter to churches, uh, and so this applies uh, to the things that we do uh, together too. We need to make sure that everyone in the church uh, is taken care of. Uh, And we'll look out to those uh, in the town uh, and further afield that we can help as well. What really matters? Doing good, not doing things for ourselves. So to please the Spirit, not the flesh. The second thing uh, that matters is boasting in the cross and not works. Uh, Verses 11 to 18. Boast in the cross, not works. As we reach uh, the very end of this letter, we're reminded of just how personal this is uh, to Paul. He scribes this conclusion uh, himself, and he re-emphasizes uh, that central message of Galatians. Christ, not circumcision. He does so by uh, making a comparison. Uh, on one side, uh, we have the false teachers, the agitators that uh, we've been thinking about all the way Uh, through that Paul's been arguing against. He says that those who want to make a good impression outwardly are trying to compel you to be circumcised. The only reason they do this is to avoid being persecuted for the cross of Christ. Not even those who are circumcised keep the law, yet they want you to be circumcised so that they may boast about your circumcision uh, in the flesh. Maybe the last few weeks you've been uh, wondering why people would be so keen to get other people circumcised. Um, Okay, we might sympathize that uh, the idea of faith alone can be uh, tough to take sometimes. It's a a blow to our pride. Uh, But circumcision doesn't exactly seem a a nice option instead, does it? There's two reasons, uh, Paul says. 
which really are two sides of the same coin. These people want to, to look good, and they don't want to be attacked. Remember, this is only a decade or two after Jesus. Christianity and Judaism were far less separate than they are today. Now, the synagogues were powerful institutions. Churches weren't. The agitators, they believed in Jesus, but they still cared too much about what the Jews thought of them. And the Jews, they knew they wouldn't like Jews and non-Jews mixing, eating together, being family together. So faced with the loss of respect, loss of business and trade, and worse, that one simple operation would have seemed like an easy solution. Circumcised Gentiles were far more acceptable to the Jews. Plus there's the bonus of having something good to write to friends in Jerusalem. Did you hear we got five men circumcised for Christ last month? And ten already this month. We'll compare that to Paul. May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Finally, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. So the agitators boast in Christ, uh, other people's circumcision. Uh, they try to impress people, and above all, they uh, avoid persecution for Christ. But Paul, Paul boasts uh, in nothing but the cross. He no longer cares what the world thinks, uh, and his beaten body shows that he definitely doesn't avoid persecution. You could summarize Galatians by asking, what do you boast in? What is it that you talk about endlessly? What do you look to uh, for confidence and importance and joy? Is it something human? Something you're good at, something you try hard at? Your intelligence, your wealth, your family background? Is it the gospel plus? I'm okay because I trusted Jesus and now I come to church every week. Or is it the cross of Christ? Is it the cross of Christ, the one thing that no one would ever think to boast in? That moment of ultimate humiliation a criminal dying in the worst way, surely an embarrassment uh, to be forgotten. And yet the moment that we are justified and redeemed and adopted and set free, that's what Paul boasts in. Nothing of himself, only the cross. And it's the cross uh, itself that means we can stop worrying about what the world thinks of us. Being united with Christ in his death uh, means the world no longer has any power over us. At that point, we have the approval of the only one who matters, God. We don't need to impress anyone else. So much so that uh, we can face any persecution uh, that comes to us 
Elsewhere we read uh, so much of what Paul uh, went through. Imprisonment, beatings, stoning. But he had a bigger view. Jesus uh, was beaten uh, and mocked too and crucified. His followers shouldn't expect to avoid just a little of that if they boast in his cross. These agitators, they couldn't uh, make the cross their only boast because they cared uh, too much about what the world thought. Instead, they spent their time worrying about who was circumcised and who wasn't, and forcing Paul to have to write and argue against them. But in the end, uh, what body parts you have or don't have makes no difference to your salvation. Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. What counts is a new creation. Peace and mercy to all who follow his rule, even to the Israel of God. See, what matters is a new creation. So if you've been coming along and hearing the word circumcision far too much in the last couple of months and are somewhat confused, don't worry. If you're here tonight and you don't feel like you're good enough because you don't pray much or read the Bible often or speak the right way, don't worry. This is the point. Only one thing matters in the question of your status before God. Have you been made a new creation by being united with Jesus in his death and resurrection? No? Well, I'd argue there's no point looking anywhere else. Nothing that you can do can recreate yourself enough to save yourself. So trust Jesus who can. Have you been made a new creation? Yes. Then peace and mercy are yours, Paul says. So as we close our time in this letter, that question again, what do you boast in? May it be nothing but the cross of Christ. And may that lead you to do good, sowing to please the Spirit. As Paul prays, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers and sisters. Amen. Well, please do take a seat, Tim. I'm going to invite you up for our Q&A. And it's very nice to be this side, and, uh, <laughs> to be asking the questions, although <laughs> I think one or two may come back to bite me. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what does the Israel of God mean? Okay, great, thanks. Do you want to tell us what verse, verse 16? Yes, verse 16. Um, I thought someone might ask this. Um, uh, it's, a, it's a slightly tricky bit of, of Greek, um, and so there are two options. I think we're kind of leading um, one way, but I'll, I'll tell you both. Um, so one option is that it's, uh, it's um, in addition to the Israel of God, um, so all who follow this rule uh, and the Israel of God, in which case it's sort of saying that um, it is, it's Jews who uh, get that circumcision and uncircumcision don't matter. Eventually, they're going to uh, believe Jesus uh, and uh, be saved as well. Um, might link to Romans, possibly. Um, the other way of reading it, 
uh, is if you got um, the old NIV, the uh, no, the new new one, new one um, has a, a dash. Um, so uh, those who follow this rule, in other words, the Israel of God. Um, in which case, uh, it's it's us, it's Christians. Um, back in uh, Galatians 3 and verse 7, uh, Paul says that uh, those who have faith are the children of God. Uh, it's not about uh, your bloodline, uh, who is uh, a part of the true Israel. Uh, it's simply uh, about faith. Um, and so Paul is just reinforcing that, uh, saying that uh, those who, who get that uh, circumcision and uncircumcision are not what matters. The only thing that matters uh, is being a new creation, uh, trusting Jesus, uh, and being recreated. Uh, they're the ones uh, who get the promised peace uh, and mercy from God. So, Tim, are you, that's really helpful. Um, I think that's, that's clear for us. What you did there was quite complicated. Are you saying we need to understand New Testament Greek to kind of understand that? Or is there, how did you kind of come to that conclusion? Um, yes, well, so... Uh, <laughs> that's a good question. Um, you've thrown that at me. Sorry. <laughs> uh, but I think this is... Mo- yeah. I'll give you some thinking time. I think this is model of bits we come to in the Bible... We don't understand them. How do we kind of work them out? Yeah. Yeah, so this is where um, I guess that, you know, we're not on our own. Um, the Bible is, is simple enough for, for everyone to understand uh, with the Spirit's help. Um, we, we get everything that we need for salvation uh, from, from it. Uh, but there are bits that are, are harder than others um, that we have to wrestle with uh, a bit more, but we don't have to do that on our own. Um, so I came to this uh, and went, I don't know what this means. Um, and, uh, you know, I worked at it a bit myself, um, tried to see if I could find any links to anything else, uh, but also read, read some commentaries, um, thought about what, what other people um, suggested it might mean, uh, and weighed up, as I say, there are two, two different views. Yeah. Um, so you weigh them up um, and see, see what, what seems to fit uh, with the bigger picture of yeah. what Paul's saying. It's not just this verse in isolation, it's, it's the whole the whole letter. Really, really helpful. So yeah, the fact that you went back is massively helpful. Um, there's another question here. What if you don't love yourself? Is it saying that we should put others as a priority over us or yourself, or should we put other burden, others' burdens at the same level as ours? Now, this I kind of goes this, on to I suspect this week. might be a question for last week, which is absolutely fine. Um, Tim did say we could ask that, but um, maybe you come in if you think mm. I'm missing something. So uh, last week we saw chapter 6, verse 2, carry each other's burdens. Uh, in this way, you fulfill the law of Christ. So we're to carry each other's burdens. And then earlier on, he says, uh, verse, uh, 5, verse 14, the entire law is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now, this may be not what the question's given at, but I guess a lot of people say, well, what if you don't love yourself? And we all think of the person who you know, is perhaps suffering um, uh, mental illness or... Uh, perhaps suffers with self-esteem, um, and we go to that example. But the exception proves the rule, because actually the fact that someone doesn't love themselves in that state shows, them, uh, shows us, doesn't it, that actually that's not a good state or an ordinary state to be in. So the exception proves the rule. It's not saying if you don't love yourself, um, you know, actually do that to other people. That, that's not what it's saying. It's saying, assuming you do, although admitting that not everyone finds himself in that, position from time to time, uh, then love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, 
is it saying you should put others as a priority over yourself? I immediately wanted to get out of this and say, no, it's not, but it kind of is, mm. uh, because it says, brothers and sisters, you were called to be free. Do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature, rather serve one another in love. So um, obviously that doesn't mean you, know, you forget to get dressed or something in the morning or brush your teeth because you're kind of thinking about others. There's a kind of sensibleness to this. Mm. But he is saying, actually, our minds should be outward focus rather than inward focus. Um, but that's not a bad thing, because imagine a church that is constantly thinking about other people. Actually, you're going to benefit from that as well. Mm. So Paul says in Romans, outdo one another in showing honor. It's, it's something we'll all benefit from as we kind of compete uh, to serve one another. Um, so uh, should it be at the same level as ours? Uh, you know, there's a degree of self-care, but Actually, our focus should be, when we're coming into church or whatever, other people. hope that helps. Tim, over to you. Um, verse 9, what is the proper time when the harvest will be reaped? And we're finished with this. And what will this actually look like? Thanks. Yeah, great question. Um, I think uh, the proper time that Paul's talking about uh, is when Jesus returns, um, the new creation, as opposed to a new creation, um, when... Uh, yeah, when we get to, to fully appreciate um, everything that God has done um, and, uh, yeah, the, the new world uh, that we'll be in. I think it's at, at that point that we'll, we'll see uh, the, the fruit of the good that we've done. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see uh, that uh, the, the kind word that you said to one, someone um, really did make a difference um, and... Uh, it's that it's that point. We'll, we get some of that um, now. You know, we can see each other growing um, day by day. Uh, but this proper time uh, is is when Jesus returns, um, and and that's you know uh, that's something to to look forward to. Um, <laughs> let us not become weary in doing good. Um, it's very easy for us to get get weary, isn't it? Uh, there is so much pressing down. Uh, but if we look forward uh, to that time when, when Jesus returns, uh, we, will, we will see uh, the fruits uh, of what we've done uh, and get to enjoy all of that together. What a great place to finish. Thank you, Tim.